0: We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaito Shaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hey everybody, just a quick word here to let you know that we're still raising money. There's still bills to pay and we're still an independent show. We're also helping our friends at Babylon Burning to raise funds. Their South of Market workshop and art gallery suffered a devastating fire over the weekend. So anything you can give helps them plan their future. Go to linktree slash storiedsf for ways to donate to us and Babylon Burning. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. We're picking back up with our series on co-ops in the city. In November, we brought you episodes on Other Avenue's grocery cooperative in the Outer Sunset. Today and next week, we move east to the Inner Sunset's Arismendi Bakery. In this episode, we sit down with baker owner Sue Lopez to hear some of the history of Arismendi which started off as a cheese shop in Berkeley more than 50 years ago. Here's Sue.
1: I'm one of the, one of many founders here at this Arismendi mendy 9th Avenue. Um, I think we have five of our founding group still here, including me. So I've been here for 22 plus years wow. and um, About half of the group has been here for 20 years.
0: (laughs) Wow. Again. (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's a remarkable, you know, situation and a remarkable business. Uh, I had moved to San Francisco with my husband to finish school. Both of us to finish school at San Francisco state. Oh yes. And there's so
0: many people, 75% I'm going to say of people who've been on this podcast and and myself have an SF state connection. Gators, Gators. Go go Gators. (laughs) 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 We well, <laughs> I love that there wasn't a football team. I'm like, I already live here. Yeah. I want to go to college again. That's right. Um, and then, and then later, I found out there's no football team, and I was like, how great. Yeah. And then I learned the history of SF State and.
1: It's a great school.
0: I mean, yeah,
1: it's, it's a great it's the best. school. So,
0: had, so you came here for to go. We to came state? here
1: to go to school to finish our bachelor's. Okay. Um, both in the arts, my husband's an actor. He did theater arts, and I was in the art program. Okay. So we're both in in the art field, and that was in the late '80s, just in time for the earthquake. Oh. And then I kind of fell into the nonprofit art world. Okay. And I did that for about ten years. I worked with Southern Exposure, which oh, is still yeah. a thriving nonprofit in the mission.
0: Yes. Yes. And
1: I got the nonprofit blues burnout you okay. know okay and it was a wonderful experience but you know reaching my 30s i was like i think i'm done yeah and um then we went to spain for a year because my husband's catalan and we had an opportunity to do that barcelona so, yeah. by any chance? well yeah. we were living in mataro with barcelona and the town just north called mataro okay. and um That's which nice. is fantastic yeah. and then we came back from there i looked at the nonprofit sector again and i got like hives
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought maybe I'll
1: do something else
0: well that is another alternative business yeah. model yes but, um, we don't need to speak poorly of it <laughs> no it just, it's not co-op it's not They a are very well
1: intentioned it's just correct. not good for the people that are in it correct that's it's, it's not it's hard
0: what I hear by and really
1: large. really hard yeah. work yeah. to run a nonprofit right it's 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 a very difficult and challenging job mm-hmm. um, so I decided that I wanted to cook. I did a couple of classes. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of internships. I worked for free for the summer mm-hmm. um, at a pastry shop. And mm-hmm. then uh, we noticed that there was a sign up in this building while it was being renovated mm-hmm. to turn into a bakery. So the, What did it
0: used to be before uh, this? Fo- a
1: one hour photo mat. Okay. And um, so they had already acquired the lease and were already in renovation when they were looking for their find- founding group.
0: Oh, Arizmendi had already secured the space.
1: The association, so, so the association, got it. Of, the Arizmendi Association of, of cooperatives, they had already okay. secured the lease. Okay. They were the second Arizmendi. The first Arizmendi is Arizmendi Lakeshore, mm-hmm. on Lake, Lake Merritt. And um, when they opened Lake Merritt in 1997, they actually got their founding group before the spot and they found that extremely challenging because mm. there's so many delays and so many complicated things to try to get the group together before you have a business
0: right a place. so
1: they did it the opposite the, the second time around with us
0: mm-hmm. they
1: had their spot mm-hmm. they were already in renovation um turning this into a bakery and then they hired a, gr- a group of about 12 of us in the year 2000 We were the second heirs
0: Okay. And
1: to date, there's five Mendes. I was going to say. Yeah. And the, um, the third one was in Emeryville in San Pablo that mm-hmm. was open in, 19, in 2003. Mm-hmm. And then there was a seven-year hiatus in the middle of all this dot-com craziness. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we got a, uh, a small business loan from a local bank beneficial to open two bakeries in one year. In 2010, mm-hmm. we opened uh, Fourth Street, which is actually in San Rafael. Mm. And um, in in the springtime, and then in the fall, we opened the Valencia shop, mm-hmm. Erismendi Valencia, which was the last Erismendi
0: I used to live right, right there. over right there. there. Yeah, and I already knew this location. I knew Cheeseboard, so I was like, oh, it just keeps getting closer to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. Perfect. And sometimes I don't know why. Maybe like if we're we're already over there sometimes we'll go there yeah but this is our home yeah this is the closest to to my home it's perfect
1: and we all have different things you know we're all started we're all started with kind of the same recipe book okay and we're all required to have like transparency with recipes and sharing everything Mm -hmm. but once businesses start We're allowed to go ahead and add things, subtract things, see what works with the neighborhood.
0: Right, right. You know, with
1: your demographic.
0: And so as a group here, uh, we can dig into a lot of other stuff. But um, what is the process of, like, bringing new items?
1: For this shop, everybody's different. Our policy is that um, you'll make something to share with the group. Mm Mm-hmm get some feelers out there mm-hmm. you can use all the ingredients that we have mm-hmm. right um, we're a meat-free mm-hmm. bakery the shop is the mm-hmm. only one that actually has meat is the San Rafael shop because they oh. saw that their, their demographic kind of wanted that and they're making sandwiches over there also okay so um, folks they they'll make something they'll kind of test it out with the group if the group is interested then they get test status okay. you know and then they're you know we pay ourselves to do everything to run this business so right. you get paid to experiment you bring oh, nice. back different batches you get feedback from people then you finally go through this like cost of goods figure out how much it might cost when it, where it's going to fit in the schedule who's going to make it you know all there's so many different decisions that need to be made mm-hmm. it takes a long time to do anything in a co-op mm-hmm. um just to get everybody on the same page but it's it's totally worth the, the, the but also
0: time. i you know i would think kind of some of these other business models that we've talked about you know in a what what i call competitive model um things are just kind of handed down and yes. you might not have any idea why yeah or what it is yeah. or yeah so this is very like organic and it's from these people that From you share yeah. this thing this common interest yeah exactly. With. it seems and and in that sense it's not surprising to me that it takes a while because you want to do it right exactly yeah exactly what is the last big sort of like thing that was introduced that is now maybe not every day but is you know pretty common it's do, prob- you remember?
1: probably this it's a it's a bread called no grainer <laughs> Uh. So you might imagine it's a wheat-free wonder. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's a little beautiful, um, very, very tasty loaf that's full of seeds and nuts. Okay. So it's a wheat-free, you know, gluten-free item and we make it um i think it's baked on tuesday and like a lot of those gluten-free items you can hold it for a few days we generally don't hold stuff we have fresh items every day right but we hold those for a few days i think there's there might still be like a couple of loaves we wrap them and you know we wrap them up the after the first day so Mm -hmm. they're fresh when people buy them that's the most recent one that tanya who you met up front had developed
0: okay yeah and then what about pizza our pizzas specific pizzas kind of how does that work
1: like re is part of that committee yeah that small committee and um so they come up with a lot of ideas sometimes they'll post their ideas for the coming month on Mm -hmm. a calendar in the office or in the hallway Mm -hmm. they're always looking for feedback Uh, or we don't generally do a lot of brainstorming about pizza menu you know in in the meetings but but they'll encourage a lot of feedback while we're going and it always depends on the produce that we have access to as well right or the cheeses or whatever, you know, is going on with our Yeah, I've noticed
0: that sometimes, not maybe not every pizza in a week, but, like, some of some of them might feel seasonal. Yeah. And that I, I always imagined that that was on purpose. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: All right. Well, Sue, so can we dig into the history? Sure. Um, going back to the original, yeah. which you said was cheese board. It's the
1: cheese board. They're the mothership.
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> and what do we call that part of Berkeley? I know what it is perhaps used to be called
1: what were you what you were going to say it was called you know <laughs> you want to make me say I try no, not, I don't. It, I try not just, to say it that just much North, <laughs> is
0: it just North Berkeley sure there you go North across Berkeley. the street
1: from Chez Panisse you Correct. know it's that lovely area it's a beautiful yes. area it is you know no, with a
0: median, very with important. The, with the, the, median, median, the median, with the median that people
1: important. used to eat pizza on. Yeah. Now they have a beautiful parklet. Oh, good. Yeah. So you don't have to eat in the median
0: anymore. <laughs> I mean, there was something charming about that. I, I didn't mind. Yes, but.
1: exactly. So the cheese board was started in um, 1967 by two folks that came back from, they were in a kibbutz. They okay. were locals and okay. a couple. And they came back and they decided to open a cheese shop, mm. which is the original location is just around the corner. It's the little, okay. I think it's the little uh, smoothie shop or something like that. Mm. And it was a cheese shop and they had about five or six workers and uh, they started to make bread and started to make pizza. But basically after a few years, they decided they didn't want to be bosses. Mm. And they wanted to transition the business into a worker co-op and sell it back to the people that we we're working with. Oh wow. So that happened in 1971. I think be, they became a cooperative in 1971. So for four okay. years, they were kind of just growing. And then in 71, they become a co-op.
0: Do um, you know if they, because after hearing the story of other avenues, yeah. co-ops were a thing yeah. back then. they're definitely. You, w- were they part of any other groups or were they just kind of, they took that model and, and just went with it? Yeah, there?
1: I'm not sure if they were, if the cheese board was part of any of those groups that were going on. Um, but probably individual members were part of what was going on because it's that generation so and they
0: definitely knew what was yeah going on. so
1: there were there i'm sure there was a lot of a lot of support within that cooperative community because there was so much going on in the late 60s and the early 70s you know and it's really fantastic that like places like Other Avenues and Rainbow and the Cheese Board, you know, still exist. Yes, it is over all those times. Mm-hmm. Um, did Celia talk about the Other Avenues or Possible book? That yes, yeah, yes. that's definitely something to check out. Yeah, so yeah, so the Cheese Board, so they became a cooperative in 1971. And they continued to grow, but they made a really conscious, intentional decision to just remain a neighborhood business. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to become a chain mm-hmm. although it would have been co-op they didn't want to like grow and open other cheese boards so you know if you like jump forward to the mid 90s there was a what i understand what i've been told was there was a study group and there was one of the cheese one of the cheese boarders who was one of our mentors steve sucher okay and a retired sociology pr- professor jack caswan that was very much into cooperatives and okay. helped cooperativize a bunch of uh, housing in in Berkeley Mm -hmm. the apartment he was in and a bunch of other buildings and he was also part of the TNDC in the Tenderloin Development Center over here okay so very much integrated with the community so the two of them and a cooperative lawyer named Tim Hewitt they got together in this cooperative study group along with some other people but they decided that at that time in the mid 90s when co-ops were kind of not very they weren't growing too much in the Bay Area Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so they were wanted to try to identify a type of co-op that they saw that was successful and they wanted to replicate it and since Steve was part of that book club or that study group they decided to actually approach the cheese board and say would you be willing to help support this idea that we would take your business model because it seems like you've made this work you know as far as a business a, a bakery
0: 20 some odd years at that point yeah right. they were
1: 30 years closer, closer or to, close to 30 close to 30 almost 30 years yeah, old yeah okay and um, and that's what I you know I tend to say cuz I I get to chat with a lot of people about the history of this stuff that I it's really it's still I'm in awe of the situation and that's what's so special about the Ares Mendy Association because you have these three people including one cheese boarder that approached the cheese boarders at a business meeting and they're like, we would like to basically open the competition, will you help us? <laughs> right. It will be a co-op mm-hmm. and the cheese board, what I call the golden, that's the golden ticket, the golden mm-hmm. moment, the cheese board said yes, we will mm-hmm. not only support this endeavor we will loan you money, hmm. we will give you all our recipes, and wow. we will train all your people. Okay. So it's not something that happens in the real world.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Was it just like the stars align, something happened? The stars happened.
1: align, and that is why we're here today talking about the cheese board in Mendy. Right. Because um, it's hard to get a food business off the ground, especially cooperative from square mm-hmm. one. hmm Mm-hmm. So the cheese board helped Lakeshore open. That was Lakeshore. They took in that founding group. They interned them. They, sh- like I said, they shared all of the recipes. They had people working. The Lakeshore folks were working at the cheese board, so um, they basically started the association. It's
0: almost like we've been doing homework for thirty years. Here you go.
1: Kind of. Yeah. Here you go, and we won't charge you for it. Right. You know. And Amazing. they did. They did do one important business thing: is that um, the. Tim and Jack and Steve. Tim is still very involved with the with the organization. Mm-hmm. Jack passed on, and Steve just retired from okay. the Cheese Board. Okay. But um, what they did is they, in in studying cooperatives, they saw that kind of the most helpful thing that would happen to help these businesses thrive be to create a support cooperative. Mm -hmm. So before the launch of Erismany Lakeshore, they launched a development support cooperative, which internally we call the DSC. The development support cooperative is an organization that's staffed by potentially part-timers, people that are involved with the the sister Mm co-ops, and they're the ones that do all the legal, financial, Mm -hmm. cooperative trainings Mm -hmm. for the rest of us, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that was formed first, then they, got the lakeshore airs off the ground and the way that we're structured is all of the business share a percentage of their profits into a pot that help fund the dsc mm. as well as help fund the future cooperatives okay so we're all like we're all building on that amazing. and we kind of turn the idea of a franchise on its head because like as a franchise you're in this competition mode like you're saying right but what we do is that the more successful cooperative you are within our group, mm-hmm. the more fees you will pay, mm. but the less help you need.
0: Correct. Because you're doing okay.
1: And the, yeah, the, right. and the more challenged you are as a business, the, more, the less fees you're paying. The less you're paying. And the more help you're getting. Got it. So it's kind of each according to their ability and each according to their mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm sound familiar.
0: And it's working. <laughs> look at that.
1: <laughs> and look at that. We've Again, got about radical. 160 workers, including the cheese board.
0: And how many locations?
1: And it's five Arizmendi's, one cheese board, because okay. the cheese board shared everything except for their name. Sure. So we had to come up with our own name, which I'm not sure you know the, the background of ask, the name. I to ask, and I'd love
0: to know that. So
1: Arizmendi is an homage to a priest from Spain, that helped found the largest cooperative system in the planet called Mondragon, okay. and he was um, he was born as a coincidence. I, I looked it up once. Contemporary of Jack Caswan.
0: okay. Uh, so he was <laughs>
1: during like during the Civil War, he was assigned to a small town in the Basque country, and mm. he knew that the way to help those that those people during that post you know war torn time mm-hmm. was not to preach but to help
0: mm. job creation. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's why he got very much into cooperatives. Okay. So his name was Jose Maria Arismendi Arieta. Okay. Because Basque names have like 20,
0: 20 letters,
1: mostly consonants. <laughs> <laughs> so we shortened it, called Erismendi. Uh, Lake Lakeshore took that first name, Arizmendi. The second Erismendi, which is the one I'm at at 9th Avenue, was given the choice because there was only one Arizmendi and it was on the other side of the bay. Do you right. want Erismendi or you want to come up with your own name? And we went with it. And once you had two Erismendis, the rest needed to be Erismendi because we still believe in branding. Mm-hmm. You we're taking mm-hmm. a lot of what's good of a franchise, mm-hmm. Right. But putting it to good use.
0: Well, brands carry weight. Yes. I feel like, and, and exactly. they have they have meaning. Exactly. They, you hope. Yeah. <laughs> so you you kind of touched on it, but let's let's hear more about the story of opening this one. I oh. think you got us to you saw, and because this was your involvement, oh, right? Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. you saw the
1: yeah the, sign the, here. the sign that was up? For, they were doing a what we normally do when we open cooperatives is we'll have a sign up saying there's a co-op coming to your community we're going to have a community meeting come if you're interested to learn about cooperatives come if you want to apply for a job okay and at that meeting you know they'll have representatives from the other bakeries from the dsc okay. they'll talk about stuff at the end of that meeting they'll pass out applications for anybody that's interested mm. so that's how i got involved
0: okay yeah. and um it was it scary
1: no no i mean in, in my arts in my arts work i was doing you know southern exposure used to be a project arto corporation yes which is a cooperative
0: and project arto is th- still there I've recorded. Project o
1: and southern exposure moved correct down the block yeah so um so i was very familiar with cooperatives mm-hmm. from that viewpoint mm-hmm. um and i was i didn't have a lot of training baking and pastry but i was really interested and they were What's great about Arizmendi is we're willing to just hire people that are willing to learn. You don't need to have the experience of already having done this work before. We're not Mm -hmm. looking for professional bakeries.
0: Right, right.
1: So I was just excited more than anything. And I thought one day I would move along and open my own business. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I've drunk the Kool-Aid, so I would have turned it into a co-op after opening it and doing what I wanted to do, which was something a little different from this. And I tried that halfway through. At at, at year 10, I took a sabbatical and I gave it a shot. And then I realized how cutthroat things were in San Francisco, how real estate is so ridiculous. Yeah. And um, I was very happy to come back. You yeah, know, to without this, that support. Right. Group without that the have, support. Without have. the yeah. support. You know here, so it really opened my eyes to. I already knew that co-ops were, just, this is, it's just like a, you know, a hidden gem mm-hmm. in the community. Mm-hmm. You know that folks really should, folks should be learning about this business model in business school. There's, yeah. no, there's no reason why not, right. but because we're in the United States, a lot of folks don't. Co-ops are a little bit more familiar in a lot of other countries, Latin America especially, mm-hmm. um, you know, in Europe, I've, I'm told. So it just depends on, you know, what folks are exposed to and what they think of as as a co-op. I think what's really important with the Ares Mendy cooperatives is that we have kind of Turn people's opinions of this like hippy dippy co-op. You know, who wants to make a profit? It doesn't really matter. Like right. we want to be community minded, but we need to be a very physically viable business in order to support the people that run it.
0: Like a foundation. Yeah, you, you and need and to make a little yeah, bit of money. Yeah, you need
1: yep. to you need to do that. And right. the reason that we've been able to create such a good quality of life here for folks. And they're so invested in the business which creates such a financially successful business for us mm-hmm. you know so we're we're taking that cooperative model which just means one person one vote mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and putting it in this capitalistic system that we have yep you know but trying to do it in the best way possible you know
0: i'm gonna say it's working
1: yeah
0: <laughs> just gonna go out on a limb there. um fun Total side story, but when you were talking about opening businesses in San Francisco, and perhaps especially around food, before I started this podcast, mm-hmm. I was between things, and I am from Texas, and I love breakfast tacos, and uh-huh. I've wondered for twenty-two years that I've lived here, why we don't have them. So I started making my salsas. I, like, I knew you got to start, you got to start with salsas, and then whatever. And I actually learned how to make pretty good green and red salsa. And then I, that, at that point, I really started thinking about and looking into what it takes. And I had a borderline panic attack. I was like, no, let me fall back on storytelling and podcasts, which I know how to do and I love. So, That's yeah. Great. And um, there are a few folks who are doing breakfast tacos now. I'm, I'm starting to see it a little bit. So, so you can
1: find it. So you can find them.
0: Yeah. And they're good. <laughs> I still, I mean, every, we have everything here. We have really good yeah. quality ingredients, but anyway. So yeah. So I, I do. Even though I haven't taken many steps down that road, I, I and I, you know I, I know a lot of business owners, um, to varying degrees of success, and it's not easy. No, <laughs> it's not easy.
1: No. But. Kudos to anybody that really is a small business owner, and it is just so much work. And when I, I'm not sure. And either Lizzie or Ari had a moment to. comment on it but um, you know we started this business even as a new business with six weeks vacation for each worker
0: yep yep it can (laughs) be done
1: because we we set what we wanted to this business to be and then we matched it with our sales right so now we do have six weeks vacation plus one week you know off between Christmas and New Year's so basically we have seven weeks off a year amazing so you know when you do that type of a thing, and you're able to kind of say, I'm a business owner of this co-op, I'm doing profit sharing, one person, one vote, I have a say in everything that's going on, I'm leaving for Barcelona for six weeks, see ya, and no email, no texting, no nothing, and to have the freedom to Mm -hmm. do that Mm -hmm. as a business owner, and not even worry about things, Mm -hmm. because you trust um, the folks that are running the business.
0: You're all in it it. it equally. We're all
1: in it equally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
0: important. We're
1: all in it equally, and everybody's really pulling their fair share. So, yeah, my heart goes out to small business owners, especially around the holidays.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know. Well, I'll pick up an application on my way out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Perhaps, I mean, it doesn't have to be the end, but it's one of the last things I'm thinking of. Can you speak to this community that you're all very much a part of? You're a staple of this community uh, can you speak to The Inner Sunset The Inner Sunset The yeah. Inner yeah. Sunset's
1: great it's been so good to us our community is just it's really above and beyond. It's been a wonderful gift for our business, and they're so supportive about everything we've done, whether it's you know, needed price increases because it's cost of goods, mm-hmm. or that we've shut our doors and we're doing stuff out the windows, mm-hmm. or that you know, something's broken down, or that we're gonna close between Christmas and New Year's when everyone wants to bring their family and friends.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so you know, it's a wonderful community, and we are a retail small business in a small community. We don't do wholesale. Um, so we really rely on all of these people and we know so many of their names. We've seen so many of their kids grow up, you know, we, so it's just been a privilege to be, be part of the community, you know, and, and we get cards from folks, we get Mm -hmm. cards, thank you cards during the pandemic. Somebody just moved away and sent us a, a card just saying how much he loved us and he was moving away with, you know, some. A modest amount of cash, a little bit for everybody, oh. like just a little gifty. Wow, <laughs> it's very just very Amazing. sweet, very sweet community, and just it's been really lovely, really nice. wonderful to be here. Yeah.
0: Any anything you want to tell listeners about? Um, anything that Mindy this location, is doing? Let's say in December.
1: In December, yeah. we have um, we will we have Fruitcake already. You know, that we're, that's in the bourbon or brandy, whatever it is we put, <laughs> dunk it in so many times. That's in process. A okay. lot of fruitcakes. Uh, Lorenzo, who's working today, actually makes a uh, finite, because it's such hard work, finite amount of panettones that are the mm. best you'll mm. ever find. Okay. He makes excellent panettone, one big batch, and then they're gone for the season. Um, we also have Stollen, mm. the German mm. cake with the marzipan filling. An array of holiday cookies, okay. singles, or little bags, or you know, in tins.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, those are the that's the majority, and then we'll have like right around Christmas time, we'll have like I think a chocolate hazelnut mousse cake Oof. we make too, and a bouche de noël.
0: Just gonna go straight yeah. to dessert now. I
1: know, I know. <laughs> it's it's pretty wonderful to be around here on the holidays. It's really festive, you know. It's really really fun, and we don't, you know all that said about about vacations there's no vacation allowed in december everybody so it's like all hands on deck everybody's here so we're you know fully staffed everybody's around and it's it's fun it's just fun to be here you know we'll probably do some decorating although there's not even any customers in the store
0: Mm. yet
1: you know so um yeah it's it's great it's a great time to be here yeah
0: anything else that could be the end anything else i'm Missing. No,
1: no. no. Okay. Thank you for your interest and, you know, for just helping us, you know, give a little bit of voice to the co-op community. There's so many great co-ops out there. There's an organization called NoBoss, N-O-B-A-W-C. Okay. And it's the Northern Bay Area Worker Co-op Organization. If you look them Thank up, they'll you. have I all the listings of all the co-ops in the Bay Area.
0: I think. There's a map up at other avenues that she showed me. That must be theirs. Okay, and we have
1: the map in our office, and you could find it. And we have links to it from our website, as as well as a lot more information about Father Father Jose. Yeah. (laughs) So um, there's a lot of links on the website, and just so many great co-ops and a lot i feel like there's a lot more co-ops that are coming Mm -hmm. you know there's a we get a lot of emails and folks that are interested in tips and the association does what they can to support as many people Mm -hmm. you know with information about bylaws or legal stuff or finance or how do you do a meeting and Mm -hmm. you know facilitation and all that
0: wonderful type
1: of good co-op stuff it's yeah yeah it's it's uh it's a lot of work because you have to compromise mm-hmm. you know compromise and communication is what a co-op is all about
0: and you have to also kind of advocate for your ideas right that's yep. one thing I talked about with Celia's yeah that's built into the process it's built,
1: it's built into the process but it's definitely um I think like one of the ladies Lizzie or Ari had said it, it spills into your life like when mm-hmm. you when you're working in a democratic workplace then that spills into your life and as I had uh van jones did a really beautiful little 15 minute thing that you could look up and about democracy and mm-hmm. he reflected that democracies are really fl- fragile super fragile mm-hmm. and that's why co-ops you know it's a lot easier to have a boss and be like just tell me what to do mm-hmm. it's more difficult to try to agree with 22 people on what color the walls should be <laughs> so you know what brand but,
0: of soap to get in the bathroom ex- oh,
1: yeah open are a can of worms.
0: <laughs> I mistakenly
1: got lavender ones. Oh, how
0: dare you. Oh, Sue? I know How dare you?
1: But um <laughs> but it is so worth it. And yeah. it, I think we're not used to that kind of compromise and communication in our lives. Right. So it does spill over and it is so worth every single challenge.
0: That was Sue Lopez. Please join us next week to hear from two other Arizmendi Bakers, Lizzie Harvey and Ari Swenson. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Killfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season... We have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show and drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco.